welcome to our podcast, In Ryan Murphy We Trust. I'm Aurora. And I'm Kat, and this is our podcast where we explore the works of Ryan Murphy. Today we will be covering the third episode of American Horror Stories. And I, I had some opinions on this episode, but not, not any super hot takes. Um, it was a really fun episode, I thought. Uh, episode four has already come out. We're going to be covering that one soon. And it's written by the same guy, both episodes. Okay. And they had a very similar feel in that, like, I don't know, it felt like a real episodic anthology thing. Yeah. Like a Black Mirror kind of thing. So I don't know if you've seen Hulu's series Into the Dark. These kind of reminded me of that, where it's like, they seem very, like, by the book. Because with anthologies, it's hard because... I feel like a lot of anthologies are just kind of like they're middle of the road, like they're good, but they're kind of forgettable, you know? So I think what was good about the the, the Rubber Woman part one and two was that it was already in the world of American Horror Story. So it was a little bit more like unique because it's relating to the world, but just kind of expanding it a little bit. Yeah, there were two very different things. Yeah. And I actually like these two episodes better than the first two. See, I don't. <laughs> yeah, so so we're, we're coming, but they're very, very different. Because I, I like that these were self-contained little yeah. stories. Yeah, I guess I guess it was just cool to take, like, the horror of, like, the stuff in, in American Horror Story and, like, show it, like, affecting other parts of, like, the outside no, I, world. I did like that, yeah. And I've just, I've seen so many anthologies because, like, I love an anthology, so, like... So you do like an anthology. I do, but just, like, for it to stand out, it has to be... Well, we'll talk about it, but, like, the themes that we've seen in these next two are just, like, really, they've been done before better, I think. So it's kind of like, all right, groundbreaking stuff here. I agree with you. Um, But I thought it worked. And it was, like I said, it reminded me of a stupider, sillier, horror-themed Black Mirror. Yeah. (laughs) Which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Well, my problem with the one we're going to talk about, the drive-in, is there's no turn, like there's no twist. So that was kind of like, okay. Whereas the second one, or the the uh, naughty list one, I, I was kind of, it was unclear where the horror element was going to come in. Like you were kind of waiting for it and waiting yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And you were like, what is, where is this going? Yeah. It's all horrible, yeah. but like, what's going to happen? Whereas like the drive-in one, it's like very like, okay, like, you know, he, the setup, it happens, and then resolution. Like, there was no, like, turn, which, you know. Yeah, we can get into it in the summary. But, yeah, I feel like maybe if there was more mystery in the lead-up. Because mm-hmm. it was all kind of laid out on the table that the legend of this drive-in movie thing is true. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it was all kind of laid out really quickly. So, okay, this episode is about a drive-in movie theater um, I recently went to something I've always wanted to do, which is a film screening at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery in Los, Los Angeles. No one calls it that. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you if you've ever been to a drive-in. I have not, but every summer I want to get into going to outdoor movies and I never do. So I went to see uh, Pulp Fiction uh, at Hollywood Forever. And it's such a, I really wish I just walked around the cemetery it's so beautiful. It was, like, packed with people. Um, really quick for my drive-in experience. Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw Chicken Run at a drive-in. Chicken Run? Remember Chicken Run, that movie? I did not see it. It's like it's like a claymation. Yeah. We were, like, on, like, a vacation or something. 
uh, my family and we went to the drive-in. And then I went to one of those on the mall outdoor movie things. So it yeah. wasn't technically a drive-in. And I saw Normal Ray, which what? is a weird one for like an outdoor movie. They have um, every Thursday outside my building, they like the Navy Memorial put, is playing like a Navy related movie. So I should go to one of those, but... Okay, so let's get into the summary. Okay, the name of this episode is The Drive-In. The Die-In? Sorry. We're both kind of tired. I think we're both a little, like, punch. <laughs> What's that word? Punch-happy? Punch? Uh, punch. Drunk love? Love. <laughs> okay, we're punchy. I think you can just say punchy. Yeah. Okay, so the episode opens, and we meet Chad and Kelly, and they're two high school kids who have been dating for a few months. They are making out when Chad starts to pressure Kelly to have sex. They get into a fight and she leaves. So the next day, Chad meets up with his friends Milo and Quinn. Quinn tells him that the key to getting into a girl's pants is horror movies. True, truth, truth. The fear response really gets them going. So yeah, um, Chad's original plan that night was Bob Ross videos <laughs> playing in the background. I'm so glad they addressed it because, like, when we're seeing the scene, we're like, "What? why does he have this on? Yeah. So when he meets up with his friends, he's like, I learned from a guy on Reddit that Bob Ross videos does, like, some subliminal mind trick and, like, relaxes a yeah. girl. Then she'll be, like, more into having sex. So, and then Quinn's like, nah, 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 you got it all wrong. It's about fear. It's not about relaxation. That's so. a new tactic to put on Bob Ross to try to get someone to have sex with you. It's like, okay... No, <laughs> like that's he's not a sexy, a sexy thing that you put. On. I know, I know. It's just like also, it's like, are you trying to get her to fall asleep? I yeah, but it. Well, I guess it's good because like it's like make her you're feel not paying attention though. So it's like if I'm watching a horror movie and someone's trying to make out with me, like I'm gonna be like, I'm trying to watch the movie though. So, but I, I think get, it's like good for afterwards. Yeah, yeah. For Bob Ross, I feel like the idea is supposed to be, like, luring her into, like, a comfort. Yeah. Sense of comfort, which I was like, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah. Scaring a girl into sleeping with you is also creepy. But, like, it's just, like, the response of – the fear response is similar to the arousal response, like – And it's also, like, a shared thing when you're both, like, scared, so. Um, Kelly's, like, talks – so, okay, Chad talks to his friends the next day, and Kelly talks to her friend – and yeah, I really did not like so they're in high school and her friend is like you're you, you you're scared of the D and I'm like yeah she's in high school like lay off like if she's not ready to have sex with this guy it was it was almost like making like I don't know I hope kids today aren't like that but it's like dude she's a child <laughs> like I don't know she's allowed to be scared to, yeah it's also she's like they've been dating for six months it's like yeah she should be scared you should be scared of the D <laughs> anyway so. Luckily, uh, Quinn and Milo have extra tickets to an exclusive drive-in screening of the most infamous cursed horror movie of all time. The name of this movie is Rabbit Rabbit. The movie and its history have become an urban legend online. It was only shown once in 1986, and during this screening, six people were killed. Survivors said that the audience just started to attack each other. This is scary. Um, I... Th call BS on these two, like, I don't know, 16-year-old guys being so into cinema that they, A, know about this movie, and B, are, like, snapping up these exclusive tickets, unless they were, like, super into, like, horror movies. It's such a random thing, because 
I feel like teenagers, like, don't really care. It's hard to get teenagers to care about anything. <laughs> like It's more of an internet thing. Right. They were, like, referencing all these sites. Yeah. And, like, oh, it's, like, this legend, so it's, yeah, like, yeah. something like Slenderman. But it was still have to be something they were kind of into, like... That's something that was weird. All of these characters reference super old or deep cut movie things throughout this episode. And I'm like, oh, are you guys like all film buffs? Yeah. It wasn't established. Make that a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because that's like totally believable because it's like they're in LA. So it's like, dude, at that screening, there's so many people who take film really. Like, I thought I took it seriously. These people took Pulp Fiction so seriously. So it's like, as in LA, like that culture, like you forget, like living in DC, people like worship that stuff. Like, so yeah. it, it would make sense for a bunch of high school kids, like maybe they are really into film, like, but make it a point. Like Kelly dropped some knowledge about some guy from like, I don't even know. I had to look him up. I was like, oh, this guy's from like the 40s. Or something. Yeah, you're like, what? Deep cut. So I, I understand why Quinn and Milo would be interested in this urban legend movie just yeah. because they're on 4chan and yeah. like conspiracy theory kind of thing. So anyway, the incident at the screening in 1986, it got the attention of Tipper Gore. So the director, Larry Bitterman. Bitterman. He's a bitter, he's a bitter man. I just <laughs> got that right now. Wow. Okay. Had to go in front of Congress, where Gore told him that the studio agreed to pull the movie immediately and destroy all prints of the film. This causes Larry to lose it and try and attack Gore, yelling, I won't stop until the whole world sees my movie. So I was like, why are they making a point of this being Tipper Gore? Yeah. So I was looking it up in 78 and 79. She was on the Congressional Wives Task Force, which studied the effects of media violence on children. And then in 85, she was um, one of the founders of the Parents Music Resource Center. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't she responsible for like music rights? Yeah. Yeah. Their chief target was explicit material that was accessible to children. So she was instrumental in influencing the record industry to require warning labels on tapes and CDs that contain explicit content. So that's where the parental advisory sticker came from, which was a little throwback, me thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. so she was criticized for being like a censor. A lot of people also criticized the whole thing because it didn't seem very effective. The part I really didn't like was this is just this weird guideline you put out there. Mm -hmm. So it was left up to like individual record companies to determine which materials were labeled explicit. So it's like an honor system. And I was thinking about rating systems and I'm like, I think content warnings for parents are good. I like that on TV now. Yeah. And all these streaming services, you can just lay out everything and go into detail. Yeah. Like the first time I saw like tobacco used and like really specific stuff. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, just put it in there. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it's like someone might just not be okay with it. I think they'll put like even like bigotry or something or, like homophobia <laughs> and like it's like. You know, it, yeah. it's depending on the streaming service. So that's always better. But these are just like a generalized parental advisory sticker is not very helpful. If it had like this contains this, this, and this, a parent can then make an informed decision because that that's what that's for, to like help parents figure out what's okay and like what's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm sure a lot of the record labels like were like wanted to put it on because then it's like makes it seem more hardcore if it's like well that was the whole thing with it i was listening to some i think it was morbid and they were saying like not oh like you know don't let your kids like 
do this, like, consume some some type of, like, media that's, like, really bad. But I'm like, well, but how much control do you really have? Like, it, like how much is up to the well, you parents? Should try. Well, you should try. But then you're, but then parents should, like, what, how, the parent would have to consume all the media to know, like, everything that's in it. That's why it's nice to have the yeah. kind of list of something instead. So I'm saying, it sounds, it sounds lame, but, like, I mean, stuff does have an effect on you when you're younger, like. No, yeah, so. and I, and this whole thing is supposed to be, like, helping, yeah, like I said, helping parents so they can make an informed decision. Yeah. But, like, my dad took away, uh, my brother had a, um adam sandler comedy album and he took it away because i think it had like a parental advisory thing (laughs) yeah we like make fun of my dad still for it because it's literally like dick and fart jokes and cursing like it's not anything bad but like yeah so if if stuff were listed on there yeah it's like oh i don't care i don't care about that yeah because it'd be like oh massage i'd be like yeah i'm gonna take that (laughs) no you can't Yeah. yeah that's a good point Anyway, at school, this is what you were talking about. Oh, Kelly yeah, is getting relationship advice from her friend D. Chad apologizes to Kelly and invites her to the movie. D is also going. So I think yeah, she already was going to be Milo's date. Okay. So D is um I want to use the correct pronouns. Would it be they? Oh. So D is hoping to hook up with Milo. Does do you think that Milo is kind is like um like, he doesn't talk to Dee in public. Like, do you think that there's, like, uh, Milo's a little bit embarrassed or what's going on there? No, no, no. I don't think so at all. Because um, later we see them uh, hooking up and Quinn, his friend, is mm-hmm. in the car next and just, like, can see what's going yeah, on. Like, yeah, yeah. You know? But it's like, also, I like, th- well, but Quinn's his close friend, but, like, they don't talk like at school so maybe he's no but they're kind of like giving each other eyes like i don't think they're like dating dating it's more like like they're going on a date right yeah i guess you probably would be pretty shy if like it was like before your first date you would yeah yeah i don't i don't think they're like at that point yet where they're super comfortable with each other so anyway so chad and kelly arrive at the venue which is an old drive-in theater a woman outside the ticket booth is protesting the screening yelling that the movie is cursed. Kelly assumes that she is an actor that was planted there to enhance the experience. It's later revealed that she was there for the 86 screening. During the screening, her boyfriend ripped out her eye and ate it before... Sorry, I think that's funny. For <laughs> he ripped out her eye and ate it. And then it. he's like, hmm. I just thought that was, like, so crazy. Okay. <laughs> and ate it before he was killed. Um, Kelly, how much money do you think this broke-down drive-in theater has they can just be hiring actors? <laughs> like... It also is just, like, such a crappy display if yeah. it is that. Yeah. So it's like, we can just hire one person. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, maybe that does track. Um, so we meet Verna, who is the owner of the theater. A- Adrienne Barbo, she's a well-known. I know. I'm I know. Glad she's been in stuff lately. She's getting work. Yeah, so she was married to John Carpenter, who put her in The Fog, and that was her first movie. I think she did, like, TV. She was a big TV person before that, but that launched her career in genre films like sci-fi and horror films that she kind of was, like, the queen of in the 80s. I had just watched, um, I don't know why, it was on HBO, and I had never seen um, Escape from New York, so I was just Mm -hmm. watching it randomly, and yeah, she was in that. Well, she's in a lot of stuff. And I think she's had a lot of different phases in her career. But yeah, she's she's been in a bunch of stuff. She's like a horror gal. 
But anyway, so, uh, so yeah, Verna is the owner of the theater. She's freaking out because the film hasn't arrived yet. Finally, it's delivered by a shady character in a black van. So everyone settles into their cars. Chad and Kelly are on good terms now, and Kelly is in the mood to hook up. Like I said before, Chad, um, we learn about the, the protester, her, her eye story, uh, when she calls Chad over to talk to him about it. So, so Chad's feeling kind of weirdly uneasy. So it's like, okay, now Chad doesn't really, isn't really in the mood, you know, to do so. (laughs) So, yeah. Dee and Milo have paired off, and Dee surprises Milo with a blowjob. The movie starts, Milo is enjoying himself with his eyes closed, but Dee's keep sneaking peeks at the screen. Chad and Kelly are making out and quickly lose interest in the movie. As the movie plays, everyone else seems transfixed. They cut to close-ups of the audience's eyes, which turn bloodshot, then go completely black. Ruth, uh, who is the protester, um, she plays Pepper in, what's her name, Naomi, Naomi Grossman, she plays Pepper in Asylum and Freak Show of America. Oh, sorry, cool. So just wanted to mention that. So, yeah, so Ruth uh, sneaks into the projection booth and tries to shut the movie down, but she is attacked and killed by Verna. And Verna has turned into a crazy-looking rage zombie. So the movie has turned her into this. She's got, like, um, bulging veins kind of coming out of her face. Uh, and, yeah, her eyes are all crazy and black. Yeah, it just looks like they've become zombies, but, like, once they don't, but they die. <laughs> so. I guess the zombies they remind me of it would be 20 Days Later a little bit. Because they're, like, really fast, frenetic. Yeah. If you're going to compare them to any kind of zombies. And, and you know, with uh, 28 Days Later, it's, like, the rage virus or whatever. So, um, so Milo's blowjob takes a turn for the worse <laughs> when a now zombified D bites off his dick, then lunges at his face. Yikes. And she, like... You hate to see it. When she bites down, then she, like, pops up and makes, like, a crazy... D makes a crazy face. <laughs> So anyway, so Chad and Kelly have been getting hot and heavy, fogging up the back seat of the car when they start to hear screaming. They try to see outside when a guy breaks through the window to try to get at them. They're able to drive away, but Dee jumps on the car, causing Kelly to crash. They run inside the building and lock themselves in Verna's office. Verna pops up and attacks them, but Chad is able to bludgeon her to death with a film canister which is appropriate, I guess. From the office, they are able to see the chaos that is unfolding outside, the zombified audience violently ripping each other apart. I really liked using the word zombie. (laughs) Zombified, yeah. I said it like eight times. So they hole up in the office for the time being. After a few hours, most of the zombies have run off. Chad wants to call the cops, but Kelly reminds him that Milo said there's supposed to be a second screening that night. They realize there must be another print of the film and that it must have come from the director. So they decide they need to find the director and shut it down. They're going to need to call the cops, though, because they've killed people at this point. So it's like the cops need to be called, even if they don't believe you, like... Authorities must be called. No, they they weren't even saying that. It was more like uh, Kelly's just like, no, we got to get there fast. 
because we're we're gonna ha- we're gonna be stuck at the police station. Well, yeah, that's true. So I that, so I, I got that. Yeah. That made sense to me. She was just like, it is urgent, so we need to take care of this. We're the only ones that can. Good for them. Time. I'd be like, well, it's out of my hands. I survived. Yeah. Right, so goodbye. I would not take that on. The second screening thing was like a rumor on four chance. Yeah, I'd be like, be like, oh, maybe that's not true. Um, so they venture outside armed with a shotgun that Kelly found in the office. And her dad's a Marine, so she knows how to use it. Don't, don't mess with Kelly. So, uh, they are able to track down the delivery van. It is parked outside a secluded trailer along with a brand new Rolls Royce. The director, Larry Bitterman, who is played by John Carroll Lynch, love that guy. Hey! Is, hey! <laughs> he is inside watching news coverage of the night's events and gloating over his achievement. Chad and Kelly barge in and demand that he hand over the other print of the film. Poor John Carroll Lynch. I feel like if he was my dad and I'd seen his roles, I like every time he talked to me, I'd be like waiting for like him to like take a turn because he's always so creepy. He was on a standalone episode of The Walking Dead where he trains that guy that I always forget his name, but he uh, fights with that stick and he he became like all peaceful. Did it take a turn? No, he like taught him how to like how to like make peace with himself. It was like a really nice standalone episode of The Walking Dead. For yeah, some reason. I, I saw really that. Well, so I also yeah. saw this great um this uh Channel Zero as a series on um sci-fi that was actually based on like um creepy pasta, but it's really good. Like all four seasons are so good. But he was in the third season and he plays like this dad and like there's part of it that's creepy because it's like a copy like he's playing a a copy of him but like he's like doesn't do anything bad well like he's ultimately like not a bad person but he he just has this thing where like I don't think he's a bad guy but I feel like I'm just waiting for him to say some really off the wall stuff (laughs) like I don't know He's such a prolific character actor, so his roles are varied, but he does kind of play a creepy guy a lot of the time. I mean, in Zodiac, he was the... He was the Zodiac. No, was he? I don't know. He was, like, the the one that kind of the film was pointing at, like, this is probably the Zodiac. They were kind of laying it out. So he he was real creepy in that role. That was a great, uh, great role for him. So what what was the name of that show, by the way? Uh, Channel Zero. It's on, it's on, it's on Shudder. Okay, that's what I thought. It's so good. And the first season, the star is Mark Brandanowitz of Parks and Rec, who got cut out of Parks and Rec. Oh, uh, I hate... He was the worst part. I know. Of well, so, yeah. So, he's, like, the weakest part of thing. But he's, like... It, they're all different stories, and they're all, like, really freaking good, like, and scary. It's so hard to stick the landing with horror, like, uh, anything horror, but, like, when it's, like, a s- entire season... Like, for it to stay scary throughout, because a lot of times it'll be scary, 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 and then you'll find out what's going on, and then it's, like, not scary anymore, because you're, like, then it's, like, action. You know, but Channel Zero is good, and I really like the season that he's in. I'm trying to think of... I think you've told me about this It's so good. It's, like, yeah. So, yeah, so they barge in, and they demand that he hand over the print of the film. When Larry finds out that they were at the drive-in, he eagerly asks for details, explaining that this was his greatest achievement, a unique cinematic experience where a horror movie is transferred from the screen into the audience. He then goes on a classic villain rant, telling them about his motivations and grand plan and all of his personal history. Yeah, we're like, we don't care, buddy. 
And I like the actor, so it's like, oh, you know, I want to hear him monologue. Um, so anyway, so this is Larry's story. Larry was the second assistant cutter, which I think meant editor, mm-hmm. on The Exorcist. He came up with the idea of inserting frames and sounds into the movie to create a subliminal fear response in the audience. This caused many audience members to have dramatic physical reactions. Larry thought this was a breakthrough in cinema and was outraged when they didn't win the Oscar for Best Picture. This also motivated him to make his own movie. So he explains how he was trying to figure out the perfect combo of images and sounds that would trigger the fear sensor in every single human brain. He knew he found it when his editor was turned into a zombie and started chopping off her fingers. Okay, just because you have triggered the fear center doesn't mean you've triggered the I'm going to chop off my own finger center. Like, what center is that? (laughs) Can we talk about that at the end? Because, like, that's my biggest thing. It's just, like, that's, like... Well, it's like, yeah, we'll talk about it. That's my biggest kind of gripe. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so he then screened the film in 86 and was thrilled by the resulting violence and that it only made people more eager to see the film. His plans were derailed by the Tipper Gore incident, which landed him in prison. In lockup, he continued to perfect his fear-slash-zombie, see, this is my issue, fear-slash-zombie cinema recipe, Mm -hmm. and when he got out, he applied what he learned to a print of the film he had hidden. When Larry finishes monologuing, Kelly shoots him in the knee. Love that. Love that for her. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i really like that she just like kind of immediately does it yeah uh and and then he immediately caves <laughs> yeah. and hands over the film and then he like yells about how it's his life's work that was a weird writing thing i was like guys and they're like we don't care <laughs> yeah yeah because it's like why'd you hand it over that like you know whatever yeah. so chad sets the film on fire before they leave they block the door trapping larry inside while the trailer goes up in flames and as they're leaving he yells that this is just the first act and then says you want to know why i have a rolls royce you won't like the answer oh i don't think i caught that part that's ominous well, okay, yeah, that whole thing is something I, I wanted to kind of okay. discuss. So, Chad and Kelly's shared trauma and revenge experience turned out to be the perfect aphrodisiac. And uh, they go home to Bone. Should have done so, it in the Rolls Royce. Just saying. Like, they're finally on the same page. Yeah. You know, that's what All they it took do. was a lot of death. Well, the fear worked, but then they needed the revenge. Yeah. You know? So, that was the missing ingredient, I guess. As they are getting busy, the camera pans to Chad's computer, where we see that Netflix just released Rabbit Rabbit. The movie is trending, and outside Chad's window, the city is being plunged into chaos. Um, So I wanted to really quickly talk about Larry's story about the exorcist. So uh, he was talking about like the subliminal messages mm-hmm. and everything. So I found a um, entertainment weekly Q&A with the director, William mm-hmm. William Friedkin. And uh, he did use subliminal imagery in the film yeah. to unsettle viewers. Uh, he, used, he did use the sound of bees in the early sequences of the film. And for some reason, that sound triggers an innate fear and like a flight or fight response in a lot of people. Friedkin said he also layered in disturbing industrial sounds in the background of demon scenes, uh-huh. which also create a subconscious desire to back away from danger. So I thought that was cool. 
And uh, the demon Larry's referring to is uh, the white demon face that flashes for a fraction of a second during the priest's dream sequence. Um, it's about, like, his mother. Like, when I was looking it up, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I know that, that image. But, yeah, he was saying that the face was never meant to be fully detected by the audience and, quote, you couldn't catch it before VHS, and now you can stop the DVD and stare at it. So I feel like I've seen that Ooh. still from that. This is an interesting thing about that, too. The face uh, is that of Linda Blair's stand-in, and the makeup was the first uh, proposal for Blair's demon appearance. She had an all-white face and red lips, and uh, Friedkin said, I didn't like the makeup for the demon, but viewed as a quick cut, it was very frightening. Yeah. So um, I thought all that was really interesting. The demon thing I knew about, but the sound stuff I didn't. And uh, he's talking about it's like, like I don't know, it's like you're cheating the way Larry's doing it. It's like, I'm going to make a really shitty movie, but I'm just going to trigger your fear responses by yeah. putting like the, like the correct sequence. And like in the actual movie it was applied in a very artistic way and really thought out to kind of make things a little more eerie or unsettling or like whatever at times um but so it's it's also like a phenomenon of like using sound in horror movies to like if you watch yeah. a horror movie without sound it's not going to be scary sound is so important to um, horror. but there's like the frequency of like in infrasound which is i'm reading it right now i did not know this off the top of my head uh it's 19 hertz and below and so hearing starts at 20 hertz so it's something you can't hear but it's like vibrations but it like it elicits this like fear response because it's like a primal like signal of like an earthquake or like something like like so it's it like the bee it like the bee thing kind of yeah but it, it's like it's basically cool. it's basically like explaining like um like scientifically like why like there's certain sound uh like vibrations that like just make yeah. you uneasy even if you can't hear them with your yeah, 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 yeah. so it's like yeah i mean it's it's pretty you know to make a movie like yeah if you use that um but also just here well i guess you're gonna talk about this but my issue is like just because you see like how does subliminal messaging work because just because i see a face okay i see it but I'm also watching the movie. I'm not turning into the exorcist. Like, what is the point? You know, what I never understood about subliminal messages is just because you're receiving the subliminal message doesn't mean you're acting on the subliminal message. Like you could subliminally message me to like take my clothes off. Doesn't mean I'm going to do it. I might. Well, okay. Okay. Yeah. So for, for, I, I was confused by what you were saying. Cause like for the actual movie, like the exorcist, it was just a, like artistic choices to make the movie scarier. Yes. You know? But like some and, and messaging then, to create an action, I never really understood. That doesn't, yeah. Because it doesn't really work. Like you'd have to be like hypnotized. Like, like when they have the thing of like, um, like Manchurian candidate, like a sleeper agent where it's like they're hypnotized to like activate. That makes sense to me. Cause it's like they were hypnotized in a certain way. For them to, yeah, yeah, but like you're not brainwashing me if I'm just watching a movie. Like it's, I, I'm, yeah. I'm receiving the message, but I might not. I'm not going to do anything, you know. Well, I think uh, the idea of subliminal messaging is just uh, that's always been kind of like an urban legend kind yeah. of thing. You listen to whatever backwards, and they're yeah. telling you to I kill people. I just think people. it's so stupid because even if they are okay, so what? I'm not going to kill. Did, yeah, did it cause people to kill <laughs> right? anyone? Like I yeah. just thought it was. So, I always think that's so stupid. Like yeah, yeah. 
They should have made it like that it hypnotizes people and then does something. Because that's that could be real. When they're showing everyone kind of like fixated on the film, they don't look scared. Yeah. They just look like, they do look like they're hypnotized. Yeah. They're just like, they can't take their eyes off of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't really understand that. But my whole thing is just like, okay, like, I'm okay with uh, like a horror you know, supernatural thing being like, okay, they put some messages in there and and it made you go crazy. Mm -hmm. But like, why would it turn you into like, change your appearance? (laughs) You know, that's my issue. Why would it literally turn you into a zombie where your eyes go crazy and the veins are popping out? That was the part I didn't really like. Yeah. I thought it would be more effective if they just, it just made you go mad and violent. Well, playing death is I could suspend my disbelief with that. And it works better for me. It's scarier, almost. I mean, like, you could say, like, you know, the thing of, like, how we don't use all of our brains. Maybe, like, there's some type of code you could unlock in the brain that would release some kind of chemical that does that to your body. That, like, does, turns it zombie. Like, who knows? You're saying they could have put something like that in there. Yeah, or, like... I don't know. I really just thought it would be more effective if yeah. they weren't zombified, if they were yeah. just had gone kind of mad. So uh, anyway, so yeah. Okay, yeah. So the Rolls Royce thing, when they pull up to the house, Chad's like, oh, it's weird that he has a Rolls Royce and it's like a new, there's like a sticker in the window. And um, yeah, and then he says that and he's like, you won't like the answer. So it's like, oh, is someone like backing yeah. him? There, there seems to be someone higher than him. It's Netflix. It's Netflix. (laughs) Like, I I think I was, like, looking for something else. And I was like, oh, it's just Netflix. Because, like, earlier in the episode, Chad's complaining about the, like, modern state of horror movies. And it's like, oh, it's either just, like, really shitty movies just to, like, fill up a streaming site. Or it's something that's, like, super, like, pretentious and makes you fall asleep. makes no sense because they don't make movies for to fill a streaming site. (laughs) Like... If anything, that means you can make better movies because you're just making them just for, like, these niche sites. You don't have to make an appeal to everyone. So you can, like, like, no one sets out to make a bad movie. Like, so many things have to come together to make a movie. Like, is everyone trying to make a bad movie? The director, the writer, the actor? No, but some people are, they're literally just trying to make money. They're like, this is just going to be consumable. Like, you know, like, this isn't great, but, and we're not trying to make something great here. We're just trying to make something that's, like, whatever. So I think, like, Netflix, um... I, I'm not sure about I guess with, I think with, that's more of the shitty blockbusters would be to make something consumable. But I think if you're talking about... No, making- no, I think they're doing that with streaming. Because, like, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, for Netflix specifically, I'm more thinking about true crime documentaries. Oh, They yeah. are so hit and miss these days. Half of them are still pretty good, and it depends on where they're getting them from. But they're trying to fill that stuff up. This could have been a movie. Why'd you have to make it into a series? Like, yeah. I'm more informed about that. But, yeah, I think... I, I know with Netflix, they are making a lot of horror movies you know yeah it's also interesting that so didn't ryan murphy do like an exclusive deal with the netflix but this is on hulu and then drama (laughs) no i think it's because it's still a remember we talked about with the deal it was like all his properties that were uh still with fox that he had done at fox Mm -hmm. were still gonna be like fox things you know what i mean so like netflix was gonna have have access to stream it and then Hulu has their whole thing with FX, so. Yeah, but it seems, so is the new American Horror Story going to be on Hulu? Yeah. Okay. I'm almost positive, yeah. Uh, but yeah, just, it's funny because, like, it was, like, a shot at Netflix where it's, like, because it's on Hulu. That was funny. Okay, my other question, 
So when the film was delivered, and I'm assuming that was Bitterman mm-hmm. uh, delivering the film, because yeah. I mean, he had the van. Mm-hmm. He was being all specific about like, oh, this needs to be like a film, mm-hmm. like actual film stock. And like the projector needs to be running at, on a certain, you know, like way. Yeah. Uh, so that the effects will work. So I'm like, if this was converted into digital and people are watching it like through that, would you still get the same effect? Like, I don't, I, right. I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I was wondering. So, okay, so Bitterman's excited because at the screening, it's basically like, it affects literally everyone who watches it, which ha- didn't happen before. So I'm maybe like, I mean, I can't see that like someone higher up would want like everyone to die. So maybe if you're watching it on Netflix, it'll only affect some people, not everyone. But, like, there's no way to control who it will affect. So, like, why would you want that? And the way people are watching it, because, like, sound is so important to this. Yeah. So, it's, like, when you're, when you're watching something and it's through, like, a projector, it's very controlled. But if someone's just watching it, like, on their phone. But the sound at a drive-in is, like, through the car speaker, so you can't really control it. You can calibrate that. Yeah. Like, so you, everyone's getting it in a certain way. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think they just wanted to set it in a drive-in. But... Yeah. <laughs> I thought that that was kind of a a weird wrinkle. I was like, okay, like, you guys made such a big deal out of, like, this film and, like, there's two prints and it has to be, like, these prints. So if it's, like, converted to digital, would it have the same effect? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah, if you're not, if you're just watching on your computer, your laptop, like, what, yeah. And, like, to, to what end? Like, so someone's paying this guy to, like, destroy the world, but, like, why? No, but I think it was supposed to be, like, he just sold it to Netflix, and they they don't know. Oh, because Chad made that comment about they're just trying to fill. Oh. They just they need content, so it's just like, oh, okay, we have access to this movie that like is really popular online. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think so, about that. Yeah. I thought they were like yeah, doing yeah. it on purpose. How would they have even gotten it on Netflix if whoever watches it goes crazy? How does it? How would it get off? Right? Like, I feel like someone's got to watch at least a second of it to upload it. So how does that happen? Anyway, a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Um, But yeah, I I also, like like I was saying, I think it's cheating to make a scary movie. That's not a scary movie, Larry. You're just triggering people's brains. Because he's talking about how he's an artist and stuff. And I was like, that's not art. You're being kind of like a scientist, I guess. It's also like, they didn't get his background, like, why he wants to do this, like, like what happened to him like who hurt you larry and the first motivation he had was like to make the movie was because the exorcist he thought they got shafted at the oscars because he thought like this subliminal message thing was just like a breakthrough in cinema which i'm just like dude that's that's not really the way you're explaining it is not art they probably won oscars for other things just not best picture also, like, I mean, horror. Horror never wins Oscars. best picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so, like, come on, Larry. And then the Tipper Gore thing started a new vendetta for him. Because mm-hmm. he says something about, like, a society that locks up its artists deserves to be burned down. Well, they locked you up because you attacked Tipper Gore. <laughs> That's yeah, why. Yeah, 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 yeah. He wasn't locked up because the movie was locked up because he literally attacked a woman and tried to choke yeah. her. So yeah. you should be locked up. <laughs> Like, you don't think you were going to be locked up, man? Yeah. Come on, Larry. You're on C-SPAN, Larry. <laughs> Look around you, Larry. <laughs> There's cameras everywhere. Yeah. I liked this generally. I thought it was fun. I thought it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought, I thought it was fun. I Like I said, I liked it better than the, than the first two. 
at first I was just like, oh shit, is this always going to just be like teenagers? Uh-huh. But I liked Chad and Kelly. Like mm-hmm. I, I liked those actors. Uh, that, that worked for me better than like the teens from the first one. I could have used, so these two episodes are pretty short. I could have used more backstory just on the protagonist in general of this one. Just to like, my favorite part of horror movies is like the setup of like getting to know the characters and like, that's how I know if it's like going to be a good movie. If like, I don't want the characters, like anything bad to happen. I'm like, can I just watch them like go about their lives? Like, But I mean, I feel like that's hard to do with like this format, though, uh, you know? Yeah, but I think as for, you could do, like, a solid 20 minutes of background before you have, like, the zombie. And then the zombie thing is, like, laid out way too quickly where, like, it's just, like, an exposition dump where they're just, like, this happens and this happens, blah, blah, blah. So it's, like, I just think it happens a little bit too quickly. Like, you could maybe have some other... Uh... Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think, um, like you said, yeah, this this was short, so you, you could have, like, added just, like, ten more minutes. Added some to, stuff to with, like, their fam, like, maybe show Kelly's weirdo marine dad or something. I don't know. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah, because they're adding, like, weird stuff about her, like, not liking people to apologize and her dad's in the military, and I'm just like, okay, you just threw that in there. You know, so that's fine, but it's yeah. just like, I, I don't care. But, like, yeah, and like we were saying earlier, yeah, the mystery of this cursed film, it wasn't really drawn out at all. So, yeah. like you said, yeah, we knew exactly what was going to happen. The The biggest mystery was the, like, oh, there's someone above kind of mm-hmm. you or whatever. But I think that they were trying to make a comment on, like, you know, because he said, like, the first time in the 86 screening, even though a bunch of people died and stuff, like... People wanted to still see it. People got really excited, you mm-hmm. know, and still wanted to see it. So it was it was kind of like talking about that. But I, that that wasn't enough for me for like a reveal or like a, oh, this part of our society is destroying us. Yeah, it's like society, am I right? And that's kind of the theme yeah. of the next movie too, which is, it's like, yeah, it's like been done so much in Black Mirror. It's kind of like... I but it needs to really punch. Know what you're trying to say? It's like, are you anti-censorship? Are you pro-censorship? Like, what's it trying to say about... I don't really know. Well, yeah. That's why I thought the Tipper Gore thing was kind of weird. Censorship good? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, because it also, like... I mean, a bunch of people did die, so it's not like... You know, like, at the screening. So, yeah, so... So it's not coming from, like, nowhere. So I don't know. It did remind me though. Um, have you you haven't seen Watchmen yet? Um, right? No. So there's a whole plot when they do the flashback to the original um, Hooded Justice and the Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have this whole like technology that they developed. Uh, it was like a projector that they created, mm-hmm. and they would show movies in black theaters that would make audiences get violent, turn oh. on each other, and start to kill each other, and then like. Like, they weren't zombified, but they were, like, they were hypnotized. It was a hypnotized thing. Hey, wouldn't the military want this technology instead of Netflix? I'm just thinking, like, okay, yeah, like, if you have the technology to literally make people go insane and start killing each other, like, I feel like you'd find a better buyer than Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, like you said, it would be, like... It would have to be, like, a bunch of, like, experience. Like, it couldn't, it wouldn't just be, like, a film. You'd have to do, like, all these experiments of, like, it couldn't just be, like, a guy in his, like, jail cell, like, editing movies that would create some kind of crazy response. Like, there'd have to be other factors in involved, like, like, to make you that suggestible, like, it'd have to be, like, a movie and, like, you spray something in the air or something. Like, some other 
thing to, like, activate it. Because it's just too far-fetched. It's just this one thing, you know? You're you're talking about that they become, like, the zombies and and they become violent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because then it's, like... If it's that easy to create, like, a a weapon like that, then wouldn't we have more of those in the world? Like, if one stupid guy could do it, like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, like, second assistant editor. Yeah. But yeah, like I totally forgot when I was writing the summary, I was just I was thinking about that that Watchmen thing, but I just remembered it now. And yeah, it was like a projector that would hypnotize you. But and then when they turned only, off the only projector, black people is that what you said? Well, they they were yeah, because it was the Ku Klux Klan. But how does how does it only affect black people? Is that not like because they were going to black, they were going to black theaters. And oh, you, okay. Yeah, I thought yeah. you were so, saying like that they have different brain chemistry. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, they what? were like, no, 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 no. They were going to black only. Gotcha. Theaters, okay. You know, because so there, there might have been some white people there. We don't know. Yeah, well, there was a white person in the yeah. projection booth. But yeah, when they turned off the projector, mm-hmm. everyone snapped out of it. Yeah. They were, like, out of their days, and they were like, oh. That oh makes sense. God, what, ha- what happened? So that that was very effective, and, you know, they were also doing that to, like, perpetuate this thing of, like, oh, like, you know, um, black people are violent, and, like, that mm-hmm. whole thing. So, like, it was their whole plan of, like, destroying the community in, like, multiple different ways. Uh, so, so it made me be like, oh, that was a little more effective. Yeah. And that was just one episode that really dealt with that, yeah. honestly. Uh, because it was the flashback episode. So, um, but yeah, 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 you're right. I did like the zombies, though, in general, because I thought they were scary. Mm-hmm. The way that they were, like, running around and popping up and, like, when, when D jumped on the car and was, like, banging on the windshield. Yeah. Like, that, that I thought was, was freaky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought it was okay. I like the first two episodes better, but, um, yeah, I feel like there were some good ideas, but it could have been, like, fleshed out more, like, the idea of, like you said, like, the, um, like, if they had a more specific goal, like, like, the thing with the, in, uh, Watchmen, like, that actually kind of makes sense. Like, I could fully believe that, like, the government or whoever had a vested interest in making, um, white America afraid of black people like that is like a real thing I think there's probably like documented like ways that they did that maybe not with movies but like that's a real thing so like if they had yeah if they gone a little bit more deep into like uh the reasoning behind instead of just being like one crazy guy like having some type of like um, his vendettas don't really make sense yeah, yeah like you said and I, I like what you said about like is this about censorship or whatever it was like they had that whole thing and and it made me start really thinking about censorship and mm-hmm. i was like oh this is kind of like an interesting thing to explore but they didn't really explore it so i generally liked the story it moved well it was entertaining um and like i said i i, I thought it was very different compared to like other stuff we've seen mm-hmm. on american horror stories do the people stay zombies? Sorry, I'm like, yeah, 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 they do, they do. That's the thing. Well, the woman who lost her eye, though, like, how did, did she not see any of the movie at all? Because, like, no, okay, because he said that, like, the first um and the eighty six right. showing, okay, he yeah. had perfected, so it wasn't affecting like everyone. Because she like remembered like her boyfriend eating her eye. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I liked it. It was entertaining, but I thought it was a little like sloppy. Like, I feel like they could have fleshed yeah. stuff out a little bit more. Um. I did like that they kind of, like, were, like, oh, we finally are hooking up at the end. See, I thought it was pretty dark, because, like, after they, like, killed that guy, they're, like, now I'm turned on. I'm, like, what's going on? I want to know. That's why I kind of want to know more about those two. Like, what's going on in their head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little dark, the fact that they were, like, so turned on by lighting a guy on fire, basically. Like. If you go through an experience like that, your endorphins are. Right, but. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. But they did burn him alive. It'd be have to like a, it'd be a long drive home though from the desert. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm surprised they didn't just like pull over on the side of the road. So thank you guys for listening, and you can join us uh, next time when we discuss uh, the naughty list. It's a Christmas themed episode. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, and uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts at and Ryan Murphy Read Trust. Check out our previous seasons, and if you enjoy us, please give us five stars. You can also contact us via downwardfacingdeath at gmail.com, and you can find us on Instagram at downwardfacingdeath. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, thanks for listening, and I love you, Mom. Love you, Mom. Bye.